0: Okay, now, just for a warning, once again, as stated in the beginning of the message, I'm going to remind you, this message is a message with some pretty heavy content that is not appropriate for young ears. So, if you do have young ones about, once again, this is a reminder to be listening either to this message in private... Or get the young ones out of sound range please okay now for another one that we kind of touched on in part one but we're gonna touch on again on in part two because it has to deal with a sexual issue and it is about masturbation masturbation And I'm going to be kind of covering quite a bit more detail in this particular part of the message here than I did in part one. So we're going to look back into the text. It was found in Genesis chapter 38, verses 1 through 14. Genesis chapter 38, verses 1 through 14. Genesis chapter 38, verses 1 through 14.
1: And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son, and called his name Shelah and he was at Kizib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Ur his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass, when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother and the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Then said Judah to Tamar his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah my son be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. And in process of time the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted, and went up unto his sheep shearers to Timnath, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite, And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put her widow's garments off from her, and covered her with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Sheila was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife.
0: All right, Dr. Broadbottom, and all you students at Baylor University, hope you... Got out your armored suit of steel. Here comes the sword of the spirit. As we did in part one, and hopefully you got all the little ones out of the range, because we're going to be dealing with some stuff here. First off, I want to remind you, but I'm not going to get as detailed as we did in part one as to the history of this, as we know. First of all, we know the story from part one. This is about Judah, a son of Israel, one of the sons of Israel, who had grown up and taken, already gotten, taken a wife, Got her pregnant and had some sons. His first son got a wife named Tamar. Now, if you look carefully at your Bible, first of all, Judah is the line where Jesus came from. Secondly, if you look, it was through Tamar where Jesus came from. Now, what's interesting about Tamar? If you remember Jesus, he talked about the dead brother's law. That's found in this very text. What's interesting about it? Well, let's look. What happened? The first son died. So Tamar was passed on to the second son. He says, I am not going to raise up a child, seed, to my dead Because the first child that would have been born of Tamar would have been for his dead brother, the older brother. So he spills the seed or sperm on the ground. God kills him. And thus Tamar is passed on down to the next brother. Now, okay, without getting into all the details, that's what happened. And then eventually Judah messes up and he sleeps with his daughter-in-law because of why? Because he wasn't going to give her to the last son because he because the other boy died because of disobedience. Now, but people take that as a masturbation text because of the boy dying and spilling the quote seed unquote on the ground. Now First of all, this wasn't a masturbation text. No, it is not. It is, if you look at it very carefully, it says he went in unto her. Means he, I'm going to get blunt here, he put his penis in her vagina. He had sex with her. But at the time that he was ready to ejaculate, he pulls it out. And that's when he put his semen on the ground, his sperm on the ground, and spilled it on the ground. That is to say, coitus interruptus. This is not about masturbation. Now, in part one, I mentioned that in a way, people could take this as a masturbation text, although it is not. Here's why. You could use this text in reference to a married couple, not, you could use this in reference to masturbation, being wrong for a married couple, not for an unmarried person. See, this is not talking about a married person. I mean, this is not talking about an unmarried person. The second son had been married to Tamar when he did the coitus interruptus. Hello, Catholic Church, who teaches coitus interruptus. That we, it is a type of birth control and that it's okay. No, it is not okay. So, if anything, God is not for coitus interruptus as a type of birth control. Nor does the Bible teach anything about the rhythm method. So you could do it to music all you want, but uh, God doesn't teach that either. Okay? Now, you could do your sex to a a good beat all you want, but uh, the rhythm method doesn't mean squat. Okay? Now, what am I trying to say about masturbation? Not one verse in the Bible about masturbation. However, you can use this text in this way about masturbation for a married couple. Married couple. Why? God is not for a married couple... To waste their seed. That's what the problem was. God was against him wasting his seed. That was the problem. Now, a person who is unmarried, God is not going to be upset with somebody who is sitting there with no outlet. That's what masturbation is about. Now... Let me start with those who are unmarried. There are many masturbation, quote, tools, unquote, out there, or gadgets. For women, there's vibrators, dildos, and all that nonsense, okay? Now, if a person, a woman, is using that and not really thinking about any specific guy with a specific name and specific looks and lusting after a specific guy. Jesus said, if a woman looks after a man, I'll turn it to the male gender. To lust after him in his in her heart. She'd be committing adultery. Well, then, and especially if the guy would be married. So obviously, then. That in masturbation would be sin. But however, if. If. She is not thinking of a specific man and lusting after him, then it wouldn't be sin. However, that goes also for men. If he is not thinking of a specific woman with a specific name, with specific looks, then it is not sin. Now, there are, all, there are many, many masturbative tools for, as I said, men or women. They go the gamut all the way from simple devices. I mean, women have used candles and you name it, all the way up to inflatable, life-size doll-looking things. Guys have done the same, okay? Now, those are just nothing more than like a crutch, okay? As I said... There's nothing wrong with it under the condition they're not lusting after a person, specific person. However, when they're lusting, there's the sin. Remember what Jesus said. If a man, we'll say any gender, lusts after the other gender, then they're committing adultery in their heart. Now. Then we get to those who are married. Here's where this text in Genesis comes in. In the event, remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7. He said they should go apart for a time only for prayer and fasting. But yet they should come back Why? That the devil not tempt. Why? Because it only should be a very short time. Why? Because if they're too long apart, then there'd be a problem. Then they'd be tempted to go out and commit adultery, or they would have to masturbate, which is waste their seed. The guy, if he's doing it, would have to waste his seed. Now, What about the issue of, as mentioned, say, let's use a guy who is all of a sudden gets sick enough or he got into a bad enough situation to where he's no longer able to perform like he should. If his wife starts needing to masturbate to the point where that is needed, that's when the couple needs to sit down. If, it ain't, if masturbation is needed in a couple, no matter what gender, that's when, when a masturbation tool of any kind is needed in a couple... That's when the couple needs to sit down and start thinking about Jesus' word, Matthew 19:12, and Paul's word, 1 Corinthians 9 the 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, and say it is time to consider if we'd need to bring somebody else in, Because masturbation in a couple should not be needed. Why? Because of this very text. God does... This is the second reason. The first reason, as pointed out in the New Testament, is not just because of sex and and health reasons, but the second reason is procreation. There are only two reasons. Now, of course... As I said, with health reasons, there are a lot of health conditions that can be solved through medicine. But the second, not all people could afford to solve. Not all people could afford to adopt, and not all people could afford to have an in vitro test tube baby done. And not all people could afford to have a cesarean. So this is where the second point comes in. See, God wants, God intended for every home to have parents and children. That's the way it was meant to be. So that the family lines could carry on. It was always intended that way. You go check it out. Everybody likes to go back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, Garden of Eden. When they fell, even right from the very beginning, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. This is before they fell. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. Now, of course, they had perfect hormones. They had perfect bodies. They had perfect everything. But after the fall, everything started to go down the toilet. This is why those things went down the toilet. That's why masturbation became necessary. That's why, uh, yes, that's why people masturbated before marriage that were single. And then after marriage, certain ones needed multiple wives or multiple husbands. Why? Because, I'll tell you why. Certain ones had more stronger hormones. Others had worse hormones, and some couldn't produce. Some people just could not have a baby, and that's why. Some could not have a baby. Some ended up as eunuchs from birth. Hello, that's the Bible. And if you don't like what the Bible teaches, then you got to take that up with God and read it and Weep. All right, now we have three comparative verses about homosexuality and lesbianism. Homosexuality and lesbianism. The first is found in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13.
1: If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them.
0: The second text about homosexuality, lesbianism, homosexuality, and lesbianism is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 28. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 28.
1: Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves." and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient.
0: And finally, the third and final text about lesbianism and homosexuality, lesbianism, homosexuality, is found in the Little Book of Jude, which only has one chapter, the Little Book of Jude verses 4 through 8. We, of course, read this earlier, but we're going to read it again. Jude, verses 4 through 8. Jude, verses 4 through 8. Jude, verses 4 through 8.
1: For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire? Likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities.
0: Ooh-wee. You see that? God ain't too happy, is he? That's because... This is one of those cases you can go back to the Garden of Eden. As I said earlier, I repeat again. No, God did not make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. And he did not make Eve and Juliet. No, he did not make Janet and Julie. He made Adam and Eve. He made a man and a woman. No, it isn't a world an earth full of amoebas, asexual beings. No, there's male and female. Or this would be a planet full of trees. Let's get real. Or a plant full uh, a planet full of flowers. Come on, homos and lesbianisms. I I you guys need to get it straight. It's obvious as the noses on your faces. If God could reproduce with a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, this world would be full of trees or flowers. That's what you want—is a world full of flowers. You think it's a world full of roses? That isn't how it works. No, it takes a male bird and a female bird to make baby birds. It takes a male cow and a female cow to make baby cows. It takes a male horse and a female horse to make baby horses. Get that through your head. That's why God said it's an abomination. It's sinful. It's not that we're against you, it's not that we are hateful to you, it's not that it's hate speech, it's just that it's common sense. It's been that way for thousands of years, and all of a sudden you want to go against it? Well, actually, you ain't. it ain't all of a sudden. You've been doing it for thousands of years, too. Why? As Jude said, you've been doing it with your filthy dreams ever since Sodom and Gomorrah, and you never got the message back then, and you still don't got it now. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Now we got two comparative scriptures about a very unique topic. Those who are effeminate or better known as a topic most people might be interested in, not just homosexuals, but how about those who are transvestites and transsexuals. Okay? The first is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9.
1: Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind.
0: The second comparative about this thing about being effeminate, either in this case transsexual or Uh, a transvestite, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 1.
1: He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord.
0: (laughs) You see what God had to say about this in these two texts? The first talks about If you are acting effeminate in 1 Corinthians, you're not going to have a part in the kingdom of heaven. And in Deuteronomy, it says if you have your privy member, if you're wounded in your stones or your privy member. Hello, guys, that are transsexual. If you have your privy member cut off. You weren't supposed to be a part of the children of God. Now, what does this have to do with transsexuals, transvestites? Okay, let me help explain something. And then we're going to get into the clothing here in a minute, but let's explain this. A true transvestite, a transvestite is a male or female that gets their sexual turn-on by the opposite sexes clothing meaning a guy who wears women's clothes has a fetish for women's clothes and that's what gives them their orgasm they can't get their orgasm any other way it's a fetish we're not talking about somebody who for example a guy who could wear a woman's nightgown or a woman's dress and to them it would be just a cloth or a robe Some men could wear a woman's dress and never feel anything. To them, it would be like wearing a pair of pants. They might be cooler in a dress like some Scottish guys wear skirts, a kilt, and to them, they don't get turned on. Okay? While some guys no more than see a dress, put it on, and get turned on. Those are transvestites. Now, then there are those that are transsexual. They claim, and I quote, they are men, There are women, that are trapped in a man's body. Let me tell you something, Mr. Transsexual and Mrs. Transsexual. You are nothing more than an undercover homosexual or lesbian. That's what you are. Why do I say this? If you are a guy who claims you are a woman trapped in a man's body, when you get your sex change, who are you going to go after? If you're a guy, you turn into a woman, you're going to go after men. So you're a homo. But you just don't have the decency to, quote, come out of the closet, unquote, and go after other men, so you come out of the closet as a, quote, transsexual and start wearing women's clothes. Now, you don't get your turn on by those clothes, so you're not really a transvestite, but you'll wear women's clothes and claim you're transsexual. And then you have your privates, your penis cut off. <laughs> Never thought that transsexualism was written in the Bible, did you? Well, see, it was. And God said it was wrong and it was sinful. Yes. It was in the book all along, and God said it was sin and that you were not to be a part of the children of Israel. Now, when it talks about having their stones wounded, this is not talking about someone who went to war and was actually wounded. This is talking about somebody who got their stones, their testicles, wounded on purpose. That's what it's talking about. Because, obviously, if they got their private member cut off on purpose, this is on purpose to what? Get their self hurt. Now, what was this all about? If you read the previous chapter, 22, it had mentioned about clothing, which we'll be getting into in the next section. Why? It all had to do with the worship of false gods. What was happening was, in simple terms, and we'll talk about that in the clothing, in simple terms, they... These guys would dress up as women. They'd get their, some would go to, some would actually go to the extreme. Some weren't just transvestites, but they were went to the extreme of actually having their thing cut off, wear these dre- clothing of the opposite sex to be a woman, and then sacrifice their babies to a false god. And that's what God was after. They weren't supposed to be doing that. And that's why God did not like the effeminate behavior of these men. And God was saying, look, you got to be yourself. Being effeminate is a lie. There's nothing wrong with a guy who has female traits or behaviors. In this case, a guy who cries, has sympathetic, who has sympathy and loves his fellow man. But... When you start being basically a queer, an undercover queer, there's something wrong with you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with clothing as long as you're not trying to worship a false god, as we're about to see in our next section. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. All right, now we have five comparative verses on the topic that I just mentioned that we're going to be covering about clothing, clothing, and there's five comparative verses. The first is going to be found in Ruth chapter 3 verses 7 through 10, Ruth chapter 3 verses 7 through 10, Ruth chapter 3 verses 7 through 10.
1: And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly, and uncovered his feet, and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight, that the man was afraid, and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet, and he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich.
0: The second one in comparison here is found in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4, 1 Samuel chapter 24, and verse 4.
1: And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily.
0: The next text about clothing is found in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5.
1: The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are abomination unto the lord thy god
0: now the fourth one is found in the very same chapter we was just in deuteronomy chapter 22 deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 11 and 12 deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 11 and 12 deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 11 and 12
1: thou shalt not wear a garment of divers sorts as of woolen and linen together Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself.
0: And the last text that we need to look into is 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10.
1: In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works.
0: Okay. For all you snobs out there from Dr. Broadbottom's school at Baylor University, you need to pay attention here. First off... You notice, it said in Ruth that Boaz had a skirt, and just about everyone had a skirt. Now, that doesn't mean that they had a dress. In fact, they all had a robe, because that's clarified in 1 Samuel 4.4. 4. That's why I, because there's so many verses about skirts and stuff, I wanted to clarify that. So, 1 Samuel four four twenty four four I should say First Samuel twenty four and four clarified that when David cut off the skirt of Samuel's uh, uh, or, or yeah of um, King Saul's robes skirt. See, it's a robe. It's the bottom portion of the robe. So now. Today, the only thing that, it's not like the kind of robe that we, it almost looks like some of the robes we might wear, like a minister's robe, almost, but not exactly. But when you look at a minister's robe, some people like to dub that, oh, well, it's a guy wearing a dress. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? All of a sudden, uh, some preachers We'll say a man is effeminate if he's wearing a preacher's robe, but they sure enough wore him back then. And the term is used as a skirt. And they wouldn't say Jesus was effeminate wearing a robe. Now would they? See, it's not the clothes. It's what he did in those clothes. It's who he worshipped. Now. When you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, it makes it very plain, Dr. Broadbottom, when it talks to the women. It says, the women are to not, they are to dress in modest apparel. Now, what is modest apparel? What does the Greek wording there mean? It means, in simple terms, a long Loose-fitting robe. The key words being there, long and loose-fitting. Long, loose-fitting garment. That means a woman could be wearing a pair of slacks that are long and loose-fitting that cover up the body, that do not show every part of her body so that the guys will ogle her and get lusting. Thus, breaking the commandment that Jesus said, if a man look upon a woman to lust after her. Remember, a guy could wear form-fitting clothes and have all the women lusting after him, breaking the commandment. Hello? So, see, clothing could go bad in both ways and not be modest. Remember, a nun could wear a habit and be raped, okay? Which we'll be getting into rape soon enough here. Now, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, Verse 5, where everybody likes to nitpick. Verse 5, well, a woman shouldn't wear that which pertains to a man, and a man shouldn't put on a woman's garment. Yeah. As I said, going back to Deuteronomy 23 in verse 1, this has to do with, when you look at the whole context around this, Moses is talking about false worship. False worship. False worship. Well, you like to nitpick clothing. Why is it that you like Deuteronomy 22, 5, but you never bring in Deuteronomy 22, verses 11 and 12, nitpickers? Huh? Uh, if that's the case, let me look in your closet. Uh, how many of you got polyester cotton blends? Huh? It says, if that's the case, you're not supposed to mix cotton... And woolen to get together, which would be the same as today's version of cotton polyester blends. You're not supposed to have mixed fabrics. How many of you got mixed fabrics in your closet? So if you're going to nitpick Deuteronomy 22 5, let's nitpick Deuteronomy 22 11 and 12, huh? Furthermore, how much fringe you got? Huh? If you're going to have the Old Testament law, let's have the Old Testament law. Well, we're not under law, we're under grace. Uh, Wait a minute. All of a sudden, now you want grace. Excuse me. You can't have grace with Deuteronomy 22, 11 and 12, but have the law with 22, 5. Deuteronomy 22, 5. Sorry. You either have the law with 20 Deuteronomy 22, 5, as well as Deuteronomy 22, 11 and 12, or you have grace with Deuteronomy 22, 5, and Deuteronomy 22, 11 and 12. Take your pick. You got to do one simple thing and Whether you like it or not, and you have to read it and weep. Okay, now for the next question, we need to ask. A lot of people say it's only women that wear, quote, earrings, unquote, or it's a quote effeminate unquote to wear earrings but does the Bible teach that that's truth we're going to find that out we're going to find out what the Bible has to say on the issue of earrings or jewelry what does the Bible teach really about jewelry everybody likes to nitpick on jewelry and some so-called Christians like to nitpick on the issue of jewelry. some say well yeah you no know, you shouldn't wear too much jewelry and because it's ungodly and some say that there's nothing wrong with it. Let's see really what the Bible has to say okay because we're going to see what God has to say on the issue. Because there are quite a bit on it actually, because it talks about earrings and all of that. Okay, there are thirteen comparative verses, thirteen of them. So God has enough to say about it to really give us a a taste of what it has to say. Thirteen texts about earrings in specific. Thirteen. Verses specifically about ear rings, specifically. So we'll know if there's anything wrong with especially about piercing ears and putting earrings in. Okay? So 13 texts about ear rings. The first is found in Genesis chapter 24, verse 22. Genesis 24, verse 22. Genesis 24 and verse 22.
1: 2. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold.
0: All right, now let's stay in the same chapter. <laughs> same chapter, same book, same everything. Cuz the next text is actually in Genesis chapter 24 about earrings, Genesis chapter 24 and verse 30. Genesis chapter 24 verse 30. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 30.
1: And it came to pass when he saw the earring and bracelet upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man. And behold, he stood by the camels at the well.
0: Now we continue on in the same chapter, jumping down a few more verses to Genesis chapter 24. Now verse 47, Genesis chapter 24, and verse 47, Genesis chapter 24, and verse 47.
1: And I asked her and said, whose daughter art thou? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face, and the bracelets upon her hands.
0: Okay, our next text is found in Genesis, still same book, Genesis chapter 35 and verse 4. Genesis chapter 35 and verse 4. Genesis chapter 35 and verse 4.
1: And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem.
0: Our next text is found in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32 Verses 2 and 3. Exodus chapter 32, verses 2 and 3. Exodus chapter 32, verses 2 and 3.
1: And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron.
0: The next one is found in the same book, Exodus. Exodus chapter 35 verse 22, Exodus chapter 35 verse 22, Exodus chapter 35 and verse 22.
1: And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord.
0: The next one is found in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 31 and verse 50, Numbers chapter 31 verse 50, Numbers chapter 31 and verse 50.
1: We have therefore brought an oblation for the Lord, what every man hath gotten of jewels of gold, chains and bracelets, rings, earrings and tablets, to make an atonement for our souls before the Lord.
0: Okay, the next one is found in the book of Judges, the book of Judges chapter 8, Verses 24 to 26, the book of Judges, chapter 8, verses 24 to 26, Judges, chapter 8, verses 24 to 26.
1: And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you, that ye would give me every man the earrings of his prey. For they had golden earrings, because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment, and did cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold, beside ornaments and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian, and beside the chains that were about their camels' necks.
0: And then we go to the book of Job. Job, chapter 42, verse 11. Job, chapter 42, verse 11. Job, chapter 42, and verse 11.
1: Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold.
0: Then we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 12. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 12. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 12
1: as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear
0: then we go to the book of Isaiah Isaiah chapter 3 verse 20 Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 20 Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 20
1: the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings
0: And then we go to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 12, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 12, Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 12,
1: And I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head.
0: And last but not least, Hosea, the book of Hosea, chapter 2 and verse 13, Hosea chapter 2 and verse 13. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 13.
1: And I will visit upon her the days of Baalim, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forgot me, saith the Lord.
0: Okay, Dr. Broadbottom, and all you students at Baylor University, time to get out your armored steel suits. Suit up! Here I come, Elijah, to the churches with my sword of the Spirit, and it's time for war. You better believe it. Couple things you haven't noticed in the book. First off, let me deal with a scripture that I know you're gonna say, well you didn't bring up first Timothy chapter two verses nine and ten. Well, cause first off, it didn't say nothing about earrings in there. It just braided hair and gold. It says gold there. It didn't say nothing about earrings. It's just talking about the fact that you're what that's talking about is the fact that yes. What does talk about modest apparel and gold and uh, plating of the hair and all that? It's saying, let me just deal with that first before I deal with all the other scriptures that we just read. What it's saying is that women or whoever, what the objective here is that Paul, uh, I mean Timothy, Paul when he's writing to Timothy, what he was saying is, it's not the fact of them wearing the jewelry or the fancy clothes. It's not the clothes or the jewelry. It's the fact that they get all decked out, being fancy, looking like they got to wear a $40,000 sleeved dress. Or an $80,000 earring in their right ear and an $80,000 earring in the other ear and a- necklace, okay? Get it through your head. When you get so decked out that you look like you just stepped out of that you have to impress people, that's the issue. When you're so concerned about impressing and beating the Joneses, That's the issue. Paul was saying to Timothy, Godly women aren't trying to impress the Joneses. At least the Amish had that much right. Well, even though they go a little too far with it, and they try to go by their works by saying, well, you don't have to wear all kinds. No, no. You don't have to go that far and say, well, wearing a wedding ring is sinful, blah, blah, blah. No, that's going too far. Now, let's look at the scriptures that we just read. In fact, snobs read the Bible. To those of you that are men that say it's sinful in the church for a man to wear a wedding to wear any kind of rings, even a wedding ring. You're wrong. Did you know that it's not wrong even for a man to wear earrings? (laughs) Obviously, you didn't read your Bible, did you? It was very plain in the book. Read Exodus. Exodus chapter 32, verses 2 and 3. Go back and read it very clear. It said break off the earrings in your in the ears of your women and in the ears of your in the ears of your sons and your daughters sons hmm who are sons are those female hmm. scratch your head a while hmm Sons. Let's see. What gender is that? Scratch your head. What gender? You figure that out? Come on, Dr. Broadbottom. Are you that ignorant? I thought you had a doctorate. Sons are males. Duh. You ain't read your Bible, have you? So obviously there was nothing wrong even in the beginning, and Moses did not have one commandment against males wearing earrings or any kind of jewelry. Not one. There was not one law in the Mosaic law that said that you could not wear jewelry the only law that people like to nitpick they like to take the law that says you're not supposed to make markings upon your flesh well that's talking about tattoos Okay, if you want to get picky about that, most earrings, if you want to assume that a piercing is like a type of tattoo, okay, there are earrings that use clips and you don't have to pierce the flesh to do it. So earrings don't fall under, even for men, don't have to be a ear pierced. And you don't have to wear just one to look like a queer, as they say. And it's not effeminate. It's just a a item that make the it is it, an a ornament. That's all it is. It just it's an ornament that see, a lot of people get into this thing about being effeminate. See, that's why. We needed to look at this. has nothing to do, see, all this thing about, well, this only belongs to women, and this belongs to men. Oh, where in the Bible do you see that an earring belonged to a woman? It didn't. That came about from culture. And how did that come from culture? As we studied at the very beginning, that came about because of who? Us! Hello, church? You! You scumbag, Dr. Broadbottom, Jew! You took the Bible, misinterpreted what God said, you threw out Exodus chapter thirty two verses two and three. You threw out verses like that and said, Oh, well earrings are only for women. Jewelry is only for women. So that means they're effeminate. Excuse me. And so you you segregated jewelry and ornamentation for women and and Certain clothing for women and certain clothing for men. Clothing is nothing more than cloth. It's only what you do with that cloth. If you're worshiping a false god with it and you, uh, yes, take a look. There are some verses in them, text, that talk about they wore those earrings and stuff and did worship False gods. They got themselves decked out and worship false gods. I'll agree. When you're doing that, it is sin, and it's wrong. See, once again, it's not the item. Get it through your thick skulls. It's not the earrings, nor is it the clothing. It has nothing to do with it. I want to ask you a question, Dr. Broadbottom. Is a gun evil or good? Jeopardy time. Do, 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 do. You're so dumb, 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 dum, dumb, dumb, dum, 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 that you'll never figure out that stupid one. Because you'll say it's evil. Well, a gun is evil because you'll kill somebody. No, you won't. Not if it ain't got a bullet in it and you didn't buy none. You don't buy no bullets and you hung it up on a shelf and it's got dust all over it. Stupid. How could it be evil? Or if you take the thing and you put a bullet in it, you go out in the woods and you shoot a deer with it. You bring that deer home, you skin it, and you feed your family with it. How could that be evil, dummy? Boy, how stupid can you be? That gun is no more evil than that telephone pole out in front of my house is. However, if I load that gun with a bullet, Aim it at somebody in anger at his head and blow his brains out. Yes, it's evil. But it ain't the gun that's evil. It's the person behind the trigger, dummy. See? Just like a bow and arrow. A bow and arrow could be used for good. It could go and kill some deer. It could kill a cow. It could kill something else. And it can bring home dinner. But at the same time, that bow and arrow could kill somebody else in anger, and it could be evil. So it ain't the weapon, it's what you do with it. Well, by the same token, a dress is neither evil nor good, nor is an earring evil nor good. Money is neither good nor evil the bible says for the love love of money is the root of all evil it's not the money it's what you do with it but then again dr broadbottom you wouldn't know that would you because you're so much in love with money and your 10% tithe cult You've been worshiping it for years. That's your problem. Oh, yes, you have. And don't tell me you haven't, you dirty, rotten buzzard, you. Amen. 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 Okay, now let's go into another scripture here. It is about the evil, the whorish, the strange. Notice the keyword strange. An adulterous woman, or we could also put that as man, is described in this text. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 through 35. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 through 35. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 through 35. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 23 through 35.
1: For the commandment is a lamp. And the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals, and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth in to his neighbour's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief, if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold, he shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman, lacketh understanding... He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts.
0: (laughs) Very interesting. You see that? The adulterous and whorish woman who is a strange woman. That means somebody you're not married to. That is somebody you don't know. That is not your wife. That is somebody you're not married to. That's why they're called a stranger. That's why the man you're not married to is called a stranger. That's why they're called a stranger. Okay. You don't know them. (laughs) You may know them on the street. You may know their name. They're still not yours. That's why they're a stranger, okay? Now, notice. Notice this. First thing, what do they do? They flatter with their eyelids. They flatter with their tongue. They entice you with food, whatever. Isn't that interesting? Real sneaky, aren't they? That's the adulterer. They try to entice you with things, try to suck you in, con you in. That's the adulterer. See, a pretty good description, wouldn't you say? And it's exactly what it is in a spiritual sense, too. False gods try to suck you in with their cult, the JWs. Oh, well, he's a god of love. He wouldn't send nobody to hell. Wait a minute. Uh, Jesus don't send nobody to hell. You're right, JWs. Jehovah's false witness. Of course, no, God don't send no one to hell. He doesn't. You choose to go to hell. Thank you very much. You choose to go to hell. Let me clarify that. You choose to go to hell tonight. You choose to go to hell. You chose hell. And you choose heaven it's your choice. Jesus paid the price. You know, think of an election. There's two two candidates. There's the devil. He chose he, he voted for hell. There's Jesus. He voted for heaven. They both cast in their vote. Now it's your turn to break the vote. You could choose which one you get. When you cast your ballot, if you vote for heaven, you go to heaven. If you cast your ballot to go to hell, you go to hell. You're the one that decides the vote, buddy. Don't you say that Jesus decided you that he wanted to send you to hell. No, he voted for heaven. The devil voted for hell. It's your vote that's going to break that tie, break and vote. It's your vote that breaks the tie. Don't you go around saying Jesus wanted you to go to hell. Shut up, J.W., Okay, so uh, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. So, no, uh, hello. The fact is false gods will try to flatter you just like these adulterers will. Same thing. And then you notice it's this thing about the neighbor's wife comes in again. See, it's always coming in. It's always somebody else that's not yours. And you notice it's always about, it's not your wife. It's not two people that are unmarried. It's not two people that are planning to be married. No, these are two people. One of them is married or both of them are married and they're out there doing something they shouldn't be doing. That is adultery. That is fornication. One of them, (laughs) in the description, is actually a woman trying to get paid to do this nonsense. (laughs) Hello? That is what it is. That's what adultery is. Hello? The Bible is telling you what it all is. All you got to do is read your Bible. It answers the question. Okay, now, have you ever considered this question? If you're an adulterer or a whore, and you get knocked up, especially a whore, well, most whores are smart enough to protect themselves, but sometimes they get knocked up, meaning get pregnant. But adulterers, okay, they get the same problem. It's happened, and everybody knows it, too. Get pregnancies, unwanted ones, and you end up with Obviously a seed or a pregnancy, that's what we're about to talk about. Well, what kind of seed is it? Well, the Bible talks about that too. Didn't know that, did you? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about the seed of the, adul- the adulterer and the whore. Isaiah chapter 57, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 57, verses 1 Through four, Isaiah chapter fifty seven, verses one through four.
1: The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. But draw near hither, ye sons of the sorcerers, the seed of the adulterer and the whore. Against whom do ye sport yourselves? Against whom make ye a wide mouth and draw out the tongue? Are ye not children of transgression, a seed of falsehood?
0: Okay, as you'll notice, the Bible doesn't say that these people are not people. It just says that they're the seed of falsehood. The seed of those who are illegitimate, that are a falsehood of non married parents doesn't mean they're not people so you christians you snobs coming back on you when you start sticking your nose up at people that were children of unmarried parents as we would call them bastards according to hebrews 12:8 when you start sticking your nose up at them Uh, let me tell you something. You're no better than they are. Oh, I'm going to say that again. When you stick your nose up at a person who was the child of a whore or the child of illegitimate parents who were never married, you are no better than they are, snob! So, get your wicked, dirty, scummy heart right. Because you're no better than they are. Because... They are a human being, too. Just because they're the seed of somebody like that. It wasn't their fault. That they were born of parents like that. It's the parents sin that caused their birth, not. Their fault. But at least the parents didn't go compound one sin, the adultery in the fornication, with another called murder, called abortion. So you dirty scumbag, what would you rather them do? Take one sin and compound it with another, called abortion? You dirty scumbag, you. You sit there and say, well, we were against abortion, but yet you are against bastard children? What kind of dirty, double-tongued, fork tongue? devils are you anyway (sighs) nobody can win with you uh you scumbag snobs can they in the churches no wonder nobody wants to come to church they can't win if they're poor they can't win if they're children of bastards they can't win if they're not rich they can't win if they got wrinkles in their clothes all your rules, you might as well go back to the Orthodox Jews. In fact, the Orthodox Jews, people would do better off than the Orthodox Jews because at least they don't have all them rules. The Orthodox Jews have a lot less rules than you do, snobs. Amen. You don't like that preaching now, do you? Well, go ahead and shut off the message. Then I'll pro- you'll be proving me right. Amen, amen, amen. Come on. Prove me right, I dare you. I guarantee by the end of this message you're not going to like me. Well, that's all right. You may not be having a you may not be liking me, but I'm sure having a blast.